Welcome to the We Are Next podcast, advice and insight from all over the advertising industry to help you navigate your career with confidence. I'm Natalie Kim. I'm Lalita Sargaukar, senior copywriter and journalist at Captain US and teacher at Miami Ad School. And thanks for listening. Hi, everybody. It's Natalie, and welcome to episode 19. I hope everyone had an awesome Thanksgiving. I tried to stay offline for a few days, stay off email, but I couldn't help checking Instagram and Instagram stories once in a while. And it's always fun to see everyone's traditions with their family and their friends. Ryan and I went to Phoenix to see his family. And this year we were largely in charge of the menu and preparing the meal. And cooking a turkey for Thanksgiving was something that I always left for other people to do. Mostly my parents, like my mom and my dad. It always felt like this big task for some reason it's like a big turkey and it takes like a few hours and there's always the risk of it being dry but like so many things in life once I did it it became no big deal and I felt like it was a nice reminder that we're capable of so much more than we think our guest this week is Lalita Salgakar and she has a trifecta of titles she's a senior copywriter a journalist at campaign us and a teacher at miami ad school and as you can imagine having these three different perspectives in the industry makes her full of useful advice she has this great no bullshit attitude that i love and we got into some harder topics like dealing with a difficult creative director leaving an agency in the right way and the importance of a fuck off fund We recorded in New York City, and so you may get a little bit of subway rumbling and traffic noise in the background, especially at the beginning, but it goes away pretty quickly. So let's get to it. Enjoy. Well, thank you. This is the first time we're meeting in person, but we got in touch. I think you reached out through the website. I think you saw We Are Next. I saw a podcast pop up in my LinkedIn feed, and I was like, wow, this is cool. So I just said, hey, this is great. And you were like, we are next. I'm like, okay, cool. (laughs) Let's do it. Yeah, no, I love when people reach out to me. And LinkedIn has been, like, a little behind the scenes. Like, LinkedIn has been an amazing place for people to discover the podcast or We Are Next in general. I mean, it makes sense. People are sort of, like, looking for that kind of content. But I've been so impressed with it sort of as a social network overall in terms of, like, how much content people are putting on there. Anyway, so we're recording at uh, the Airbnb we're staying in while we're in New York. Um, So you might catch a little bit of background noise, but we tried to tone down the gain so and, <laughs> and stay close adds, to the mic <laughs> and it adds a new york city character yeah so new, new york, york city <laughs> flavor to this episode so i wanted to start at the beginning and i'd love to hear how you first made your way into the industry sure so you know how you hear those stories about art directors and copywriters who try so hard to explain to their parents what they do or even after they get into the industry you know it's like my mom doesn't really know what i do i had the opposite oh. my my parents knew exactly what advertising was my grandfather was a copywriter oh. and and he was a businessman but he also wrote his copy and you know that but that got the brand exposure and, and you know even till date does so i never had that issue while growing up that be media moguls dad's friends were journalists and editors grandfather's friends and father's friends had started agencies so it was a very well-rounded media diet mm-hmm. i grew up on but I never saw that as a career until um, I saw this course pop up at University of Mumbai, which was Bachelors in Mass Media. And the only reason I signed up for the course was because it sounded like a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Naturally, you know, that's the, that those were the conversations that were had at dinner tables yeah. at home. So growing up in Mumbai, so I was like, well, cool, sounds good. So I signed up for that and, I, and you could um, major in advertising in the third year. 
Okay. Which I did. And after which, it was like, uh, do, and in between this course, there was an uh, internship that I did. Um, and dad was like, well, this is a friend's agency. You might be serving coffee, not doing anything. <laughs> you know, you're not going to get paid, but check it out. Right. And I was 17, so I really couldn't offer anything. So unpaid sounded great. And uh, I ended up writing my first published ad for Bombay Stock Exchange, which was published. And I was like, well, this sounds good. This mm-hmm. is something I could do. You know, this is an option, copywriting. Yeah. And, um, and then there were no schools in India or like graduate schools for creatives that catered to creatives. Yeah. There were a lot of business schools and MBAs and all of that, the business side of things and strategy, but there was nothing for creatives, especially writers. Yeah. Um, so then what next? So um, Raj Kamre, one of my um, uh, family friends, godfather, mentor, kind of came home for dinner one day and he was like, well, I'm going to be giving a guest lecture at this place called Miami Ad School. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> Say that again. And he's like, well, I'm flying to Miami because there's this ad- advertising school, Miami Ad School. And I looked it up right after and yeah. applied, got through. Had never been to the states. Moved moved here for two uh, two years to Miami for Miami Ad School. And uh, the good thing was the second year of Miami Ad School, you get to travel mm-hmm. around the world. <clears throat> I chose to stay in North America because this was you know enough of a culture change yeah. <laughs> for me. So I went to Chicago at Draft for an internship during the second year, and uh, Boston at Jack Morton. Um, after which I came to New York, fell in love with the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I still still I'm totally in love with the city yeah. and. Uh, and yeah, I never left. So um, graduated, completed my portfolio here at the Miami Ad School New York campus. Yeah. And that was eight years ago. So which was, that, that makes sense in terms of like when you were talking about it, I was thinking, you know, I know I know from, you know, when we had talked before and, and the emails that we had traded that, you know, you had started uh, in India and like yeah. that's, you know, where you were grown up and, you know, like an international student, I guess. And, yeah. Um, I guess it would make sense that Miami Ad School, I was going to ask as a follow-up, like, whether it's common for them to accept people who are out of state, but, I yeah. mean, their network is, is huge. I mean, they it's have huge. campuses all over yeah. now. In fact, they have a campus in Mumbai now. Oh, wow. So, and they didn't have that when I was yeah. straight out of uh, graduate school. So, yeah. this was, uh, yeah, so it's like, it's amazing. And also, there are a lot of international students, not just from India, but Brazil mm-hmm. and Portugal and all of this. And yeah. the best thing about at school, one of the best things was the community mm-hmm. that I got. And eight years after, earlier this year, these friends uh, flew from all over the world to attend my wedding in India. I mean, that's how yeah. much we've kept in touch right, and things right. like that. So that network and that community is solid. So. Yeah, that's actually, I mean, you sort of half answered my next question was, about, you know, one thing you couldn't have gotten without going to ad school. So it sounds like, you know, that really tight network and community and sort of friends for life. Exactly. And also the fact that these are creatives. So they, when you're having a rough day at the agency, there's no one else who'd get what you're bitching about the business <laughs> except <laughs> yeah. these guys, you yeah, know? Yeah, totally. Also, it teaches you self-editing. I mm-hmm. felt like ad school teaches you what to put on your portfolio and what not to. That mm-hmm. kind of, you know, understanding that you can come up with a better idea. You can replace ideas with fresh ones. Yeah. Things like that, that is difficult to learn on your own until you've worked for a while, Mm -hmm. you know. So that self-editing, it teaches you early on, things like presenting. I was even, uh, I even did mock interviews while at ad school, so Mm -hmm. it was... It was like a solid 360 experience. I, I came out of it and I was like, well, two years, that's a long time to l- learn how to be creative. Because technically, if you think about it, you can't teach someone to be creative. Sure. You can only inspire them. Like, right. how do you teach someone to write 
well i mean yeah you know it's like what you can inspire them to do better right right and i felt like i got that out of that school for sure i feel the same way about strategy where it's like when people talk about teaching strategy i'm like well it's so much about like what happens in your head and like yeah making those connections and stuff like that so i totally hear you on that how about one thing that you could have gotten without ad school so i asked because you know not everyone has the time or resources to to make it to a two-year graduate program is there anything that you feel like can be done kind of like on your own without portfolio school i think the one thing you can do without ad school and on your own while you're trying to get into the business is internships uh paid or unpaid i highly recommend paid because you know that that's where they'll take you seriously and you'll take it seriously it works both ways yeah but i feel like that is the best way to get into the culture to know how an agency works because unless you're there contributing and doing the work you really don't know what happens because mm. this is like this crazy place where there's a ping pong table and beer friday right. it's like <laughs> it's not your usual uh finance office or something like that you know it's yeah. so different than a regular office so being there and knowing what the work actually is and then yeah. doing it is like the best at school there yeah. is you know i mean it's we were talking about before we started recording but <coughs> excuse me like all agencies are run like slightly differently and right. the atmosphere can be different based on the culture so yeah i mean it really takes kind of dipping in for a little bit to and to really experience it firsthand to exactly. know kind of what what it's like even if it's for a month you know two months it's great because especially for creatives to get down and sit for 8 hours and produce work you know is like something that you learn to do really well in um an agency setting yeah. because there is a deadline and you've got to meet it and you don't have a choice so you're going to sit and write and make it rock because right, right. <laughs> like it's not going to fly otherwise it's so, so different i mean when people ask about um applying full time out of school which is very rare right now i feel like all full time job descriptions are like you need 1 to 3 years experience so it's really not entry level quote unquote it's you know i think a lot of people still have to do internships even after they've graduated and i always tell people like that's a great thing because not only is it like a trial essentially so does the agency like you do you like the agency yeah. more importantly but also there is an adjustment period from like it's very different to like be a student and have like project spec work that you're working on for like weeks at a time versus like turn around a pitch in a week at an agency setting exactly. and like you said like sitting down and having to concept or whatever it is you do as a creative for 8 plus hours a day um and learning how to manage your time i just feel like there is kind of like that it behooves you to have that learning period absolutely and the thing is it's 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 so much better when it's real world because in at school your work might be more creative or in um, on your own spec work might be way more creative than what you'd produce in those 2 months at an agency right. but this is real world there's real dollars behind it. there's a real client behind it yeah. so it it's like a completely different situation totally. so there's yeah. more constraints on it too you can't yeah. just be like what could we do which i think is a lot of like <laughs> what student work ends up being yeah it makes it more complicated when there's a defined box it's it's easier to get out of that you know rather totally. than get start starting from you know sky's the limit right, right. you know what are some of the biggest challenges that you face when getting your start in copywriting and you can can you talk about how you work to overcome them ooh challenges what wasn't a challenge <laughs> 
there were plenty some big some small some in hinsida like why why the fuck did i lose sleep about that that was so trivial right but i'll tell you a recent one i faced which i think was um it was quite important in my career to kind of have that challenge uh, most recently maybe a couple of years ago i dealt with a creative director um who was a woman and uh, who was okay at her work but she was uh, she was very um, very difficult to work with and not just for creatives even for strategists mm-hmm. and the whole agency and it was a very very difficult volatile relationship for everyone and her you know so it was yeah. it was um, it was a challenge in the way of getting around working with her more than anything else because at the end of the day a creative director is your face of the team you know mm-hmm. like it is they filter the ideas and they kind of you know um disagree or agree to the marching orders you know okay. so um so that was that was a tough part um and the problem and personally for me it was disappointing and kind of embarrassing because this woman was a woman and sexist and racist so it was like what mm. <laughs> they make you like yeah. <laughs> this is a thing yeah. but uh, i was lucky because eventually she moved on which was great so i just had to deal with that for a couple of months but those couple of months were pretty pretty rough and every yeah. day i'd be like well do i suck is this is this not what i'm supposed to do mm. or you know and those things happen to everybody i feel like unfortunately there are so many assholes in the industry yeah. and even if uh, the creative asshole is becoming an um, idea of the past they still exist in in wheels you yeah. know so um i think that's a that's a problem that a lot of us have faced at some point in our mm-hmm. careers and it doesn't always have to be an asshole in the way they treat people it could also be the way they treat ideas which is even worse you know right <laughs> right? right so i think it it's and i this is what i learned from this experience um that it was it was killing with kindness like doing your best and then and this just being the nicest person you possibly can and mm-hmm. that person kind of the more because it's all about them they are doing that because they are like that it has got nothing to do with you right right that's so important to remember through that experience because otherwise it's like especially as creators we already have self doubt i mean once you go down sure. that path it's like it's never ending there's no light you know yeah. so it's important to remember that and kind of just being nice and building building great relationships with everyone around you you know even if that relationship is a negative one around yeah. you with your partners with your strategists with your planners if yeah. if those relationships are positive that kind of you know you you kind of have your a team kind of you know protecting you yeah and then you protect them and right. it's like you're you're in it together right. and that's so important in advertising because collaboration is everything right and you do come up with the idea on your own and you do think in isolation but but bringing it to life is all about teamwork so yeah so definitely like collaborate and be nice to each other and and that person will go away hopefully <laughs> i mean i think that's really great perspective in in putting it back on them and realizing that it really isn't you. I mean, unless someone is like singling you out and bullying just you and they're like perfect and great to everyone else. I mean, if it's kind of understood that okay, this person is sort of hard to work with, then yeah, I think um why burden yourself with yeah. that kind of like emotional baggage and just know that okay, that's kind of their thing and that's how they are and you know, you adjust your working style to make the best of that situation. I also love what you said about you know having that great support system at work yeah. and it made me think of you know there you know there it's really easy to especially when thing there's a challenge yeah. in a team or with one person or something like that or maybe like agency morale is down overall yeah. and it's been a tough few months 
there's a balance between like being able to have those like vent sessions in someone's office yeah. like close the door we need to talk about this yeah. like oh my god and you just like a vent and I think there's definitely a place for that within the agency and having those relationships is important so you have an outlet to do that whether it's like in the office or like after work like with at drinks I think there's also that balance though of like not getting into that kind of like negative swirl because yeah, it can yeah. just like at a certain point it's not really helping anything it's like okay we've talked about this person yeah. over and over Let's again over yeah yeah and like how I mean you know hopefully you're getting to solutions I think oh, that's kind of cliche but I guess realizing kind of what that line is in terms of like oh it's helping me emotionally and I feel supported and I know I'm not the only one dealing with this but and I or I'm like wallowing in it and we're just kind of like yeah. exacerbating this feeling what I would recommend is not talking within the agency find your and that's why having a community out of your agency is so important someone mm-hmm. who you can call and talk to about the business and they understand exactly what you're saying but have nothing to do with that person Yeah, you know so you can just talk about it and like get it off your chest and move on with being nice to people at the agency because if you start talking internally about it it becomes like a first of all it becomes an echo chamber everyone's yeah. saying the same thing Right. And second of all, it's just you. You're gonna go that go down that negative spiral, you know, yeah. where you your life sucks, my life sucks. Oh my god, <laughs> life sucks. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like it's better to talk to your advertising friends about it, and that's why it's so nice to have advertising friends because yeah. they really get it, and it's like you know. Yeah. So it's 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 an amazing thing to have that that solid community outside. For sure. So you recently left your last agency job here in the city. Yes. I'd love to hear about your thinking behind that decision, if you're comfortable talking about it. Sure, absolutely. Um, It was a very, very difficult um, decision to take um, because the people were awesome um, and, and the experience was amazing. But the agency was moving in a direction I did not want my portfolio or my career to move in. Mm. And and it was um, it was so difficult to have that conversation with them to say that this is I see where you're going and I don't want to be there mm. you know in terms of the kind of businesses they were going after right. the things they were pitching for um, it was just not it was not and it was not what I wanted on my folio period mm-hmm. you know I didn't want to be pigeonholed as that that category of yeah. um, uh, advertising so um, it was a difficult decision to have, but I had the opportunity to wrap projects, finish what I had started, leave yeah. on such a positive note, and leave with such positive relationships, quite honestly, which was yeah. which was so important to me. Um, so I was very lucky that I could, um, you know, do that gracefully. Mm-hmm. So I think that in of itself is such great advice and like an example of how to leave an agency in. I mean, those conversations are never easy. Never no matter easy. what your reason is, yeah. it could be totally innocuous, have nothing to do with the agency um, itself. You know, yeah. you just like want to move on, or you just, maybe you want to leave the industry, or, or whatever it is, yeah. better opportunity. Those conversations, that actual conversation of like, hey, I need to talk to you, you know, <laughs> is so difficult. And I've been on both sides of the conversation, and it sucks for everyone. <laughs> Even though it's like you're torn because it's like you want the best for yeah. that person and all that stuff. Um, but you know, making. The thing that helps make the situation not as hard is, you know, making sure, yeah, you your timeline allows uh, yeah. for you to wrap things up, yeah. that you're being super communicative with the clients or whoever, yeah. you know, whatever loose ends you have to tie. And then, yeah, making sure that you are maintaining those relationships however long you've been in the Super agency. important. Super important. And they're counting on you no matter where you are in your career. They're really counting on you. It's not just a paycheck. 
that's coming in you know this is a responsibility so it's like kind of dealing with that responsibility so that the other person deals with you just as responsibly because yeah. they made sure you know i had i had all the help i could get to kind of wrap projects and things like that so it was a two way street also i highly recommend a fuck off fund it's a <laughs> it's so much more important than those shoes you're buying or whatever <laughs> it is you're doing a fuck off fund is super important uh, because it gets you out of situations you don't want to be in uh, on a personal level or yeah. a professional level so uh, i was very idea. Yeah, I I was very lucky to have a solid fuck off fund to say, yeah. you know, no, I need to do things I love doing. Right. And that make get me excited, at least 60% excited on a Monday morning. Sure. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, just so what I like start saving early and I know it's so hard to do with all our college uh, and graduate school loans and mm-hmm. life in general, but Uh, but it's something Caitlin Moran talks about in an article where she told her daughter that start o- open a jar call it call it your fuck off fund and you need that because you need to fall back on yourself yeah you know you cannot say oh you know i can i you know i can reach out to xyz or i can do this no 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 you're you, you, this is your decision so you're yeah. going to deal with it and you're going to deal with it on every level and that financial is one of the one of the most important yeah. ones sort so. of like uh saving up for your freedom in the future yes. right like you you know you mentioned like shoes or something like tangible but like if you can put away a little bit away to like buy some freedom right. in the future like a know. month you know yeah. a month or two just so that you can sail away and sail to your next opportunity with a comfortable mind and you're not mm. emotionally volatile and you're like not jumping on the next opportunity that shows up because right. you decided to move away from this one because it was terrible right right you know what i mean so it's like it, having that having that kind of sense of uh freedom to sort of say if this doesn't work out i'm not i'm not fucked mm-hmm. pardon my french because because uh because i have this little something that i can fall back on yeah. till you know and then you can work on that timeline so oh, i love that i think that's such a great a great concept thank you <laughs> let's thank like, it's like i have savings but not but co- just like even like reframing it as that is <laughs> i don't know it makes it more fun in general <laughs> you teach in i class of for copywriting at Miami Ad School. Um what are some common hurdles that you see copywriters students starting out sure. face and how do you help kind of them get over them in your class? Yes. Uh it has been such a learning curve for me because I remember having teachers that rocked and teachers that sucked yeah. as an ad school student. Mm-hmm. Um and I feel like the ones that rocked I have not forgotten them. I still date teach send them work and say hey what do you think about this? You know? <laughs> yeah. So I always wanted to be that kind of teacher. Yeah. Because quite honestly ad school is so much money uh that you want your students to get wo- their pennies worth oh, because yeah. it's so much money, so much time. People have moved across country is for this so you know it was a giant responsibility mm-hmm. um it is a giant responsibility so it, i think the the common thing i've seen is self doubt is a big one uh and sometimes that self doubt manifests into being um uh, being defensive about your work and you need to defend your ideas you need to be a little defensive and kind of kind of tell people and be able to present why you did a certain thing mm-hmm. but once it gets into the zone of no but i want to mm. because i like it and this is how it is and this is my style that's that's a dangerous territory and getting someone out of that territory it needs to be done not from a place of authority but from a place of understanding mm. because once you say no but i know more it like it's it's not you know because like that's not fun yeah. <laughs> you know and that's not right so um 
kind of kind of letting them know what you know sometimes it is about the audience for example sometimes it is about a certain word just not being the right one you know and mm-hmm. things like that so just giving them options or telling them to go at it from a different side it helps um but for the most part i've been very lucky because people who come to art school are very dedicated they're very like they know they want to put in 9 hours to get a certain script right which right. is so so rewarding as a teacher and once you see that progression i had a brazilian writer who started in first week and i was like girl these are so many grammatical errors <laughs> we'll we'll work through this but she was, yeah. but i could tell that she was a fantastic writer mm-hmm. like there was so much talent in that girl it right. was just not coming out on paper in in a few sentences right, it wasn't right. like all over but <clears throat> And by week eight, this girl was writing um, writing scripts that were flawless. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Where are you getting help from?" And she's like, "No, I just I, I'm just a little more mindful." And I'm like, "Wow!" It felt so great that you know, from week one to week eight, yeah. that was the progression that that writer made. So it was a very rewarding experience for me as well. So yeah. you know, things like that. So it's and you'll always have one or two difficult students, but they're so important to kind of add that flavor to the class. You know, it's like if everyone's super well behaved and super hardworking, it's like <laughs> it's like boring. It's so no vanilla. In that, yeah. yeah, so vanilla. I like a little chocolate hot sauce. <laughs> yeah, one of our uh, past guests was talking about how um, going back to what you were saying about being defensive of your ideas or kind of wanting to, you know, liking liking an idea and letting kind of your desire for your own ideas kind of cloud, yeah. you know, whether it's the brief or, or what the client wants. And their whole piece of advice was, you know, it's not really about you. You know, you're not the one who's buying, like putting money against these ideas. Yeah. Like it's really the client. And um, of course you want to stand up for what you believe in and defend your ideas, but at the end of the day, that's just not how this business works. We're not putting work out that that an individual creative or even the agency sometimes like loves, you know? So. I agree. And also, I mean, think about it. We're in the business of persuasion. Mm-hmm. This is the art of persuasion. Yeah. Right from uh, getting the uh, consumer, persuading the consumer to buy to everything. So we are also in the business of persuading the client to come on our side. Yes. But only till a certain degree. You know, right. if they say, well, we don't have the money, well, what... <laughs> that conversation ends there you right know? so it's important to know that but pers- not there's nothing wrong with convincing and persuasion and yeah. and getting across why you did a certain thing but once it gets into you know like bratty zone of like no but i wanna then right. that's a problem <laughs> right right yeah and the example that uh, he was saying was that you know sometimes after you know you present an idea and you love it and everything and the client goes for a different idea or it doesn't buy it or something and thinking like oh it's because just like the client doesn't have good taste or like they they're stupid or whatever and it's just there's yeah it i don't know there's there's definitely like a a better way to absolutely deal with the rejection of one's ideas and respect for the client right i love what you said about not calling them stupid because i learned this recently from um one of my past jobs a creative director would get so mad when we said that the, if someone, even the account side said that, you know, oh, you know how the client is, like, no, 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 no. Like, it needs to be a positive relationship. These are people who want us to succeed. Yeah. And more than anything, we want them to succeed. Right. That's the whole point. Right. So it cannot be, you know, they don't have taste, they're so stupid, they demand things, like, no. You know, it needs to be a, it needs to be a positive environment in that sense because it's it's so important for creativity as well. You know, you need to respect what you're doing and you mm-hmm. respect the brand that you're working for. You know, right. 
so it's like it's a very unhealthy place to be when someone is like oh rolling their eyes oh yeah of course during calls i hate that right. that's not cool at all i love being um a little back and forth is fantastic for sure you know a little debate and all of that like this is right because fyz xyz and all of that is amazing but but calling them stupid or rolling your eyes is just not it's not nice it's yeah. not it's not what you want to do for 9 hours of the day right. <laughs> So in addition to writing for your clients, you're also a contributing writer to a couple industry trades like Campaign US and Adweek. Yeah. I wanted to hear how that experience has influenced your career overall and what what do you get from, you know, writing for the trades? Oh my god, it's been it's been the best side gig/passion project because I get to meet such amazing fantastic human beings. I get to go to all these inspiring events and look mm-hmm. at them from the side of a journalist, you know, kind mm-hmm. of getting what our audiences would find interesting finding nuggets and quotes that would make total sense to our audiences and our audiences are everyone at campaign i mean everyone reads that right from your cm cmo to your junior writer to right. you know a senior director like everyone reads this but from a business standpoint and um as a advertising writer it's it's a lot of fun to to attend those events as first of all press pass will get you everywhere <laughs> <You're> like, <"Hello."> <laughs> yeah <laughs> but besides that it's really nice to um put on that journalist hat while uh, attending these events and also uh i'll give you an example um i i get to enter the room of the global chief creative officer of blah 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 and he'll he'll carve out one hour just to talk right, to me right, right. and that's that's huge because personally i learned so much from these people right. and i have i've always had so many questions i wanted to ask these, these people so it's great to like do that and kind of help the community as well you know mm-hmm. so it's 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 one of my favorite passion projects i love being a journalist on the side especially for advertising because i'm such an ad nerd so <laughs> how did you get started with that like is there opportunities for other people who yeah. are writers or or outside of you know don't have to be a copywriter per se to to contribute but are there opportunities for others absolutely uh, they always almost all trades will have a thought leadership column so once you mm-hmm. have a distinct point of view uh write a sample piece send it to the editor say hey this is what i think of xyz do you want they're always looking for content yeah i know they want things like this yeah. so the things and don't look at it as a tangible uh exchange know that you're going to get so much more than um dollars out of that right. like so much more relationships exposure i mean it's it's huge so um yeah start and if be consistent that's so important because i've seen people start off and then like not follow through or write two articles and then go numb for like two years don't do that like yeah. you know it needs to be consistent um i was writing for ad week for three years and that started because ad week used to have a thing called um ad week social club um and it used to be all these writers and art directors and planners and everyone from the industry writing articles short articles yeah and they were both opinion but nobody did q and a's for that club so i was like you know what i want to do q and a's because i want to talk to all these cool people mm-hmm. and i have all these questions for them so yeah you know that's where it started and then campaign happened in 2015 and i've been writing for them for two years and i love it because I, a it's on my own time so mm-hmm. i get to do it whenever you know yep. there's no timeline that's why it's so important to be consistent because no one's going to reach out to you and say hey you i owe you you owe me that article right you know so it's all you so it needs to be super self driven uh but uh, but it's 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 very rewarding when someone reaches out and says hey i love that article you wrote or yeah. you know even when people i interview say my daughter loved it my 8 year old was reading it again yeah. and again and i'm like oh my god that's amazing <laughs> you know so yeah 
yeah it's super it's super fun once you once you do it and you keep doing it consistently consistency is key in 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 that regard yeah i mean i think that's great for anyone who does have an interest in in doing something like that on the side and it sounds like i mean yes you have to have a point of view and i'm sure there's a certain caliber of writing that they're looking for but mm-hmm. i don't i think people who are just starting out or who are earlier in their career have super valuable perspectives to share as well as like the fresh next generation of talent and so you don't have to feel like you have to be the seasoned vet to contribute or be part of of the conversation that's such a great uh, that's such a great point and that's true of even in meetings even Mm -hmm. if just because you're an intern you don't have to shut up you can raise your hand and say what you feel because your opinion is important and your point of view is valued and that's why you're in that room it's so important to know that you know so even yes yes please contribute to publications start your own blog write linkedin articles get your point out point of view out there because it's important yeah but also when you're in meetings like Mm -hmm. make sure people hear what you have to say yeah so what's next for you i'd love to hear i am so excited thank god for my fuck off fun first of <laughs> all but, <laughs> but i'm really excited because i'm going after opportunities that i want you know that would that that i could uh, follow through for the next two or three years because it's very important for me to not to not jump from one place to the other just because that's not my style you know like I just love investing in relationships and work and clients um, at places I'm at so I'm looking at places I would love to be at and luckily knock on wood Mm -hmm. a lot of places like that are hiring they need writers they need creatives um, uh, so well, send me a positive blessing and thoughts. <laughs> yeah, well, we're all sending good thoughts Yay. and good vibes for whatever is nice. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> all right. Let's wrap it up with the best piece of advice that you've ever been given. Sure. Um, so I this was when I had just graduated from school. And I read uh, Sally Hogshead's um, blog. She used to be an advertising writer. She's mentioned in Hey Whipple Squeezes. Mm-hmm. If you've read it mm-hmm. uh, about BMW, she wrote 100 uh, headlines. That girl. So she started her own agency. Now she's a motivational speaker. So she's moved away from advertising. She's on to bigger things. But she said something that was so um, important and so timely at that point in my life. She said, mm-hmm. remember, you've done everything you can. You know, you've worked nights for your portfolio. Now you just have to be confident knowing that good talent gets poached. Mm-hmm. And I didn't quite understand what she meant by that, but it makes total sense. She's like, you have to A, believe you're good, and B, you're going to get poached. Someone is going to need your talent. Mm-hmm. And, and good talent is always, always welcome. No one will ever say, oh, yeah, we're, 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 we're perfect at where we are. No, they need people yeah. who are really good and who, um, who believe they're really good because confidence is really key, too. So that gave me such a great, um, great kind of, you know, uh, a shot of confidence that I was like, well, you know, she makes total sense. And trust me, good talent gets pushed. I've seen, <laughs> I've seen at school graduates, I've reviewed books, interviewed people. There is never, never enough good talent in an agency. So remember that um, an agency needs your talent and good talent gets poached. I love that. I think that's such a great way to put it and such a nice thing for people to kind of like tuck into their pockets as they start 
their job search. Well, thank you so much for coming here and thank taking you. the time. This was so much fun. I am glad we got to sit down in person. Yay! I had a, I had a blast. So thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. Where can people keep up with you and what you're doing? Yeah. So I, I my articles are all, all on Campaign US. Um, I'll send you a link and also Twitter. Uh, I'm a big Twitter buff, have been for the past <laughs> quite a few years now. So, um, yeah, that's where all my stuff lives. I, I do update new projects on LinkedIn as well. But I'd love to connect to um, fresh creatives and all of that. I love, love, love uh, mentoring people as well. That's why at school became a thing. That's why teaching yep. is a thing. Yeah. So, yeah, please, please reach out. Please connect. Awesome. Well, we'll definitely include all those links so people can get in touch with you. Yay, fantastic. Awesome. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thanks, Natalie. This was fun. Not only does Lolita have awesome advice, but she also has a very contagious laugh. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. A huge thank you to her. I get a lot of emails from people who have heard me speak in a class or who subscribe to the weekly, and I wanted to start sharing some of the answers to those questions on the podcast so more people kind of have access to that information. It's kind of the idea which We Are Next was built on that this information should be out there to the most people who need it. So for the very first time, let's go to the inbox. This week's email reads, how do I keep up my connections with people I've networked with so that I'm not that person who only comes around when they want something. I get this question all the time and it's come up in a couple of the past podcast episodes as well as written about in some of the weekly emails as well, but I'm happy to talk about it here. Putting yourselves in the shoes of a recruiter or someone at an agency that you're trying to keep in touch with, keep in mind that one, they're super busy, and two, their inbox is flooded with emails. So you want to keep in touch without putting anything additional on their plates or causing them additional work on their end. For me, the best approach is to find ways to add value to their lives. Maybe it's an interesting article about something that's relevant to the agency they work at or its clients that you can send with a little bit of commentary. Or maybe it's something that's related to recruitment or talent development that you think might benefit their junior talent at the agency. The trick is to keep things short, sweet, while adding a little bit of value each time and not necessarily requiring a response. You can certainly include a line or two about what you've been up to just to update them as well, but... I think just keeping in mind what can be adding value to their lives is super important. Another thing to think about are the soft touches. So the ways that you can keep in touch with someone or on someone's radar without having to send an email. And of course, we're talking about social media. A lot of people put their professional lives on social, usually through LinkedIn and Twitter. In the rare case, Facebook and Instagram. Definitely see what that person uses uh, for, you know, their professional lives and just start, you know, liking, commenting, sharing the stuff that they're uh, putting out so that, again, you're staying on their radar without necessarily being up in their inbox. Another thing I've seen people do is to send snail mail. This wouldn't work on a continual basis, obviously, but sending a recruiter or someone in an agency a handwritten card to congratulate the agency on a big pitch win or a hire or for the holidays, it gets you out of their pile of emails and onto their desks. Advice is so much better shared. Leave us a review on iTunes or share the podcast with a friend. And while you're at it, sign up for our weekly email. It's a small dose of advice and insight delivered Mondays. I hope you have an amazing rest of your week and that you find ways to stretch yourself beyond what you think you're capable of. I'm Natalie, and until next time, you got this.